Talking Leaders is a Voquinexus production. We help leaders who want people to really hear what they have to say. Today on Talking Leaders, I'm talking with Joanne Lamb, voiceover actor and uh, sometime leader, let's say. Welcome, Joanne. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, the reason that uh, we're talking today is uh, I, mean, I met you at the recent One Voice voiceover conference in London this year. Yes. And on the last day of that conference, you were voted most inspiring voiceover. Yes, apparently so. You were, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure people voted for you for lots of reasons, but I'm I'm pretty confident that one of the things that got you a lot of people's votes at that event was something that happened in one of the sessions that you participated in. Yeah. Uh, so let's just yeah. give people a bit of background. Uh, this session was where the CEO of a, a pay-to-play website, we'll define pay-to-play in a minute, uh, a website, which is something that voiceover actors and, and voiceover people will know very well, came along, this guy came along to talk about the changes that had been made to the site, which let's say not everybody was happy with. And he was interviewed and then there was a Q&A. So before we go any further, just define for us, if you could, what a pay-to-play website is. A pay-to-play website is um, it's basically a casting site where job seekers will list up jobs and voice actors will then go and, um, in essence, bid uh, for those jobs and put in a demo, etc. I think you can liken it to um, sites like Fiverr, but obviously with, uh, with that, that's generic. That, that takes every occupation into account, whereas our pay-to-play sites are obviously specific to voiceovers. Right. Right. Thank you for that. That's a great description. So this chap was interviewed and he gave his thoughts and uh, it got to the Q&A and you stood up. And I think I would describe what you did was basically express the sentiments that were I heard being muttered in the room, but no one was actually voicing them. And yeah. you stood up and and you, you, you spoke your mind and I think spoke yeah. the mind of a, of a lot of people there. Just describe a little bit about what, what happened then. So there's been a problem with this particular pay-to-play site for a, for a while. Uh, I think it was back in December last year. I might be wrong. Um, they completely changed the platform, it completely changed the way it looked and the way it worked to the point that it was then made not fit for purpose for us voiceovers. And the reasons why, predominantly for, from my perspective, were that we weren't able to see any usage for the jobs in question. Yeah. So jobs were being posted and it was literally, we need you to voice this two minute script. Right. Well, that's lovely, but you know, what's it for, et cetera, et cetera. And, and why is we, that important in voiceover? Well, it's really important in voiceover because you need to ascertain where your audio is being used. It's a bit like licensing music. Um, people buy the right to use your voice. So you need to ascertain if it's an internal training um, that it's being used for, or is it going on YouTube? Is it a TV commercial? Because there are huge differences in pricing yeah. for usage. Um, training obviously is is quite low, e-learning, et cetera. That's normally priced out at work per words, you know, per word. Um, whereas TV commercials can earn four, five, figures yeah so you have to be very specific about where your voice is going to be used yeah. and they kind of got rid of this and it's fundamental absolutely fundamental for us to have that information 
in order to price a job. It's one thing having a, a session fee, but then you need to, to know what's happening to that audio in order to price out the usage or license right. of that. Yeah. Um, we uh, obviously, as voiceovers, we pay a lot of money to be on these sites. This particular one charges uh, circa $400 uh, to be on it. And it was just getting to the point where we were complaining and saying, you know, we can't work with this, but we weren't being listened to. And this was going on for months, and I mean months. And we were all getting incredibly frustrating replies, uh, very wishy-washy responses from the team. Um so that's kind of why he was brought in to have a, a sort of interview in front of everybody. So he could get the general gist of how we all felt. He'd had a session over in America at one of their conferences, and that had gone pretty well in, in our favor. Um, and then obviously he, he met the Brits. <laughs> mm -hmm. So and it was a very different, uh, similar-ish, but different in terms of um, outcome, I think. Yeah, I mean, my, my memory of it was that uh, actually it was it, it, we were skirting around the issue. I mean, the interviewer did did a great job in setting it up. I mean, he didn't he didn't go for the full Paxman, but he did he did put questions yeah. to the guy that that other people had voiced. But it seemed as though until you got up, he was possibly getting off lightly. Would you say? Yeah, he wasn't answering the questions, and yeah. um, he was skirting around. I actually mentioned this at the time. He's skirting around every single question using the word try a lot, which, you know, Yoda is, is right there. You do or don't, yeah. you don't try. And it just annoyed me. And I was taking notes all the way through and, and I let him talk and I let him talk and I let him talk. But like I said, we weren't getting to a point. He wasn't actually answering any questions. Mm. And then what really sort of uh, flicked my switch and made me stand up was the fact that he started calling voiceovers craftsmen. Mm. So we have a craft. Now, craft is a special skill. We, I think we can all agree with that terminology. And then I just threw back at him, well, why don't you respect us then? Mm. Because it really is a case of disrespect. Yeah, yeah. And you did, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 for me, I, I'm fairly new to the area, so I, I didn't know the background of it. But talking to a lot of other people, you did voice, as I said earlier, a lot of the thoughts that were in the room. When you did that, when you got up, were you aware that you were showing leadership, that you were being a leader? No, I was just having a pop. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I said to you, uh, I'd like you to come on Talking Leaders, you said, well, I'm not a leader. Yeah. And I said, well, I've just seen some great leadership, so I would beg to differ, which is what we then, why we then had that, that conversation. Yeah. So that's where we met. And I, I certainly feel um, uh, that it was definitely leadership. And I think other people felt that also. But then we had a, a conversation and I talked to you about the whole leadership thing and you told me a bit more background. And this is not the first time that you've been drawn into situations where de facto you've you've ended up showing leadership and being the leader, is it? No, I, I do tend to sort of let my mouth get the better of me. And I, I often <laughs> say things that people think, but then, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, they don't voice themselves. Right. And but it, it isn't gets just me that, trouble. Though. But it isn't just that, though, is it? I mean, let's go right back. So you started out originally in IT sales. That's where your I career did, took. yes. And you were telling me, you even then, in your early days, the chance to lead came up, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It Yeah, it very much did. And, you know, I really loved my job. I was good at my job. <clears throat> and uh, it was offered to me, you know, that 
I, I did kind of take on naturally a sort of team leader role um, underneath the management of our team because I knew my stuff and um, people were brought in and I used to sit and train them, etc. So I was looked upon as being reliable and uh, not a font of knowledge, but maybe nearly a font of knowledge in terms of the IT stuff. When I was sort of offered to be a manager, I refused. I didn't want to have that responsibility. Mm. That's what it came down to. And it was a case of it's bad enough trying to run my own life. I don't need to try and run 12 other people's lives mm. or however many it was going to be. Um, so I declined. Right. Rightly right. or wrongly, I don't know. But uh, So did you then end up still providing the sort of unofficial leadership that you'd been providing yes. before in guidance yeah, and so forth? Yeah. And, and when you did that, when you were helping people, how did that feel? How did you feel about it? I loved it. Oh. Everyone loves helping people. Well, most people love helping people. It's um, It makes you feel appreciated and, right. and wanted and you get self-gratification from it right. and it, you feel a bit special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So going on from there then, uh, how, how do things progress from there? Where, where would, did the other leadership chances come up, up upon you? Do you know, I was thinking about this. It made me laugh. I remember when I was 18 years old, I got called up for um, jury duty <laughs> right. all those years ago. And I took a leadership role there because it was literally a, a, a case of a, I think it was, is it GBH? Is that the weaker one of the two? And um, these uh, two men had had a bit of a scuffle, right. you know. But then, so it was a, a, a bad man and, and, the proposed good man but the proposed good man's wife got involved etc etc and and they had a big spat and we went down to um think about it and talk about it and you know discuss it and not being rude but the rest of the jurors most of them were such faffs we shouldn't have spent the amount of time that we spent in the jury room dealing with this matter it should have just been a quick kind of like yeah you know because it really wasn't important enough mm. if that makes sense it, i'm sure it is to them and, and i don't don't be to mean to be disrespectful there but it's even the judge told us off basically and in the end i just got up and i said look you know we've got to sort this out can we please just all come to a unanimous decision and get this done and um, I then took on the role of full person because it at, was just at stupid. At, at eighteen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was you. ridiculous. But uh, you know, I won't ever forget that day. No, <laughs> it's no, very brilliant. interesting. Brilliant. And there've been other situations, haven't there, where you've sort of felt compelled to stand up, speak your mind, whatever. I would say lead. Tell us about child voices lovely child voices so i set up child voices which again is a casting site but this one isn't pay to play i don't make the kids um pay to be on the site this was born out of uh a bit of an injustice if you will there was a particular person who um i won't name names but they were being particularly unethical, in my opinion, uh, with how they carried out their business. And I knew a number of people that had been bitten. And then I got bitten. And I just felt at the, at the time, you know, enough was enough. So I've and made bitten, some... bitten in what way? What, what, uh, what happened? In terms of, of how, um, how they were being sold to. In, in... So they, this person in particular uh, was getting jobs in for their children and offering them out and not 
being wholly honest about the the monies that were being um right made and also the usage etc cetera, etc cetera. you know i said spoke on this earlier about usage being very important mm. and it was very whimsical like oh you know well so and so will be okay with with 50 quid or you know whatever well no that's not uh, how it's done it's not right or proper that you know they're only a kid 50 quid yeah, exactly keep, keep, keep them in sweets for years yeah exactly right. how many beaners can you buy for 50 notes but that's not the point yeah. children are just as important in the voiceover industry as adults sure. and it, yeah. if not they're probably more important because having a real kid voice is unique yeah it's one thing of an adult putting on a voice but it's quite another having a, a, a good skilled child to do it instead and um yeah, so I, I got fed up with this uh, behavior and I spoke to a, a few of the parents or a few of my friends who have children in the voiceover industry, put this idea out there and it was well received. So I just thought, great, let's do it. I managed to um, snap up the uh, the domain name childvoices.com and from there I built a website and I populated it with children who have voiceover parents so that is the proviso. You have to have a parent uh, in the industry and you have to have a home studio. And from that point, I can then offer to whoever's looking children with professional setups who don't have to sort of be dragged into London and miss an hour or so of school to do a voiceover job. Mm. All, all the kids are licensed to work from home. And it's it's easy. It's just easy to get them in, done and, and get the jobs facilitated. OK, so you've got to admit that was leadership. You keep forcing me to admit this. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I took a path and I and I went with it. Yeah. I think I'm a fairly determined person in some areas of life, um, and this was one of them. Yeah, yeah. So we've got this picture of somebody who isn't at all interested. You're not attracted to the trappings of leadership. The status clearly doesn't do anything for you. Uh, there's some negatives around, you know, having to take the responsibility in a formal way for it. But nonetheless, some significant examples of definite leadership. And, and certainly I would say from, from what you've said, pretty good leadership, actually, leadership that in the, in situations made it made a difference. So what is it that, that drags the leader reluctantly out of Joanne Lamb? I think it's standing up for things. I, I hate injustice. You know, things need to be right and proper. And if they're not, it just makes me angry. Mm. And um, I do find that I stand up for the, the little people, in inverted commas. If I see something that's wrong, I will. if that person isn't strong enough to say something, I'll say it for them. Right. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. But right. that is what I am. And um, if you don't like it, well... It's none of my business. <laughs> right. So it's those emotions. It's the sense of injustice. It's a sort of a bit of outrage, maybe that 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 really then says, "Okay, I have to do this now," and, and you get to your feet. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Okay. So when that happens, and you do that, and you get up, and you you make those differences, what did you say is your style? Your style of leadership. <sighs> do you know? I don't know. I kind of wing it. Mm. I mean, what uh, what helped me um, when I spoke um, in the conference was the fact that I took notes. Right. I was listening to this guy and I was taking notes along the way so that I had something to focus on and, and come back with him or come back to him with. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and somebody actually commented uh, later on that evening and said, you know, gosh, you were so angry, but you were so eloquent. Yeah. With, with what I put across. Yeah. 
and sometimes I do let my anger go and uh, I don't talk well. I don't sort of deliver what I need to say and I get angry and I swear. And But I think in a controlled situation where I've taken notes and I've, I've prepped, I can be quite a force to reckon with. Mm-hmm. Mm. Would you say your your style was, uh, let's, some of the words people might use, direct, possibly yeah. even, even forceful at times? I am quite direct. Yeah. But at least you know where you stand with me. Uh, yeah. That's one good thing, surely. I don't lie. I don't suffer fools. I don't, I'm not two-faced in so much as I don't sort of, if I don't like somebody, then you kind of know it yeah so yeah. i don't sort of pam pander to the oh hi how are you <laughs> i'm not i'm not forced like that i'm, I'm honest and what sometimes do, what do other honest what do other people say because i know you've got some feedback on on your oh yeah style. i did okay so i just um one of uh, my friends came back and said uh sincerity so down to earth honest wholesome cheerful competent right. being reliable intelligent and successful charming and tough yeah so charming was a bit of a, a side swipe. Right. And then another Because person... you don't think you are charming? <laughs> um I'm not a charming person again because I can't I can't lie. Hmm. I find it very difficult. Um if somebody's wearing something hideous, I can't go up to them and say, Wow, you look amazing. I I just wouldn't say anything. Do you hmm. see what I mean? Hmm. It's hmm. Some, then... pe- some people might call that diplomacy, but um Well, I don't think I'm very diplomatic either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The reason I think that it's interesting that I'm going down this path is because uh, when we spoke before, we talked about that, that, that I think most people would know you would say, yeah, Joanne is direct. You get, you know, she, she won't pull any punches and she'll tell you what she thinks. Um, yeah. But what interested me about that is is how that's perceived given that you're a woman. Oh, don't even get me started. Well, I just have, so... Tell me yeah. what difference you think it makes that you're a forthright woman as opposed to a forthright man. Well, if I was a forthright man, I'd be a bloody hero, wouldn't I? I think... Um, so do you think it you, it attracts a bit of a negative view from absolutely. people? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. If I if I didn't have this vessel in which I live in, uh, I would be perceived very differently. Mm. Um, it's a shame, really. I, I, actually, going back to the, the pay-to-play uh, chat... Somebody came up to me afterwards and, and said, oh, you know, I couldn't believe this crazy woman was going off behind me. And I turned around and it was you. <laughs> Why would you call me a crazy woman? Mm. Mm. If, if I'd been a guy, how would I have uh, been interpreted then? And was that person wholly uh, sort of critical of what you said or were they no, actually saying, no, no, no. saying, great that this crazy woman got up yeah. and, and said what we said? So they were trying to compliment you, but they still yes. called you a crazy woman. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's what I mean. It, it just dropped the crazy. Yeah. You, di- you didn't need to put that in there because I'm not a crazy woman. I'm just passionate. Mm. And like I said, had I been a guy, would he have used that adjective? Probably not. In mm. fact, I could pretty much bet no, they mm. wouldn't have said that. Mm. Mm. It's I funny. Just... It's funny. My my partner and I have this thing about the word feisty. Oh God, yeah. Feisty. When did you when did you ever hear a man being described as feisty? If it's very rare. Whereas for a woman of of uh, who's let's say straightforward, direct, then it's one of the most common adjectives that people reach for. Oh, she's feisty. I don't see why it's such a bad thing for women to be no. out outspoken. Men do it all the time. So why can't women? We're mm. all equal, aren't we? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a question. Yeah, we're not, and we're not talking about being rude. We're talking about being 
straightforward. Well, quite. Yeah. So does that has that influenced in any way your reluctance to be in leadership positions at all? Yeah, I think so because you know who can be bothered? If you're, it's, it doesn't even matter what I do. There's a lot of people out there that would just go, "Oh, stupid woman," mm. and it's because of my sex that you're completely disregarded without even starting. Mm. So sometimes you just think, "Well, what's the point?" Mm. It, but it's would, a shame. But would you say though that it, that's that is a shame because isn't it important that women do stand up, particularly in those situations which you've described, where and we haven't used a word that I think is really important, had the courage to actually then stand up. You, you talked earlier about injustice being a big driver. And I think a lot of us can think of situations where we've been sitting there full of outrage and injustice, fuming away to ourselves, but yeah. not had the courage, the courage to stand up. And in that room at the One Voice conference, I was sure there were a lot of, well, I could tell from the mutterings behind me and around me that there were people feeling the things that you were you were feeling, but they didn't have, for whatever reason, the motivation, maybe not the courage to stand up and uh, and say that, but you did, so you had that courage. And isn't it important that maybe more women feel sufficiently courageous to do that? Completely. But then I think the question is really, why don't they have that courage? Mm. Where Why is it missing? Is it their upbringing or is it the fact that this is still a male-dominated world and, you know, you need to, to be quiet, woman, do you think you'll lead again? Do you think you'll stand up and, and be in leadership positions? Yes. But never actually taking the formal role. If someone offers you the CEO, you're never going to take it. No, no. no. I'm the CEO of, of Shea Lamb, and that's that's fine for me. Okay. Uh, just to finish then, Jo, um, yeah. any advice to other women listening, particularly maybe younger women, on uh, how they should approach this world? I just, gosh, I've got so much to say. Um in terms of being courageous, do you know what? What's the worst that can happen? If you've got something to say, say it. It doesn't matter. You're, you're not hurting anybody physically. Um, and it, like I said to you before, if, if somebody doesn't like you because of, of what you're saying or how you say things, and uh, what does it matter? Why do you care? It's none of your business what other people think of you. It really isn't. Let them get on with whatever they're getting on with. You get on with what you're getting on with. If you see an injustice, talk about it. Flag it up. I think us women do need to stick together. And I think the world would be a calmer place if we uh, sought more control. Another thing is, like I mentioned earlier, is the note taking. So I knew that I was confident in what I was saying to this guy because I'd been scribbling down some notes and stuff. So I, in a way, use that. Be prepared. Don't just stand up and, and be a banshee. Nobody wants that. So just make sure you can back up what you're saying with facts, figures, whatever it is you need to build a case and a story and sort of take it from there. And the other thing, be honest. I, I cannot stand people that lie. I don't lie myself. I mean, yeah, a few white lies, certainly to the children about, you know, I haven't got any sweets in the house, kids, no. Um, <laughs> things like that, fine. The fact of the matter is, if you lie, the truth will out. There's a reason why we have all these old sayings. The truth will always come out. Just be honest, because then you can't mess up, can you? I'd rather be trusted than liked. I know it's the, the, that whole thing about know me, like me, trust me. Well, I'd rather be trusted and loyal 
and seen for, for those sort of qualities as opposed to um, just because I'm direct and people don't like that. Well, like I said earlier, that doesn't bother me. If you don't like it, fine, don't be my friend. But if you are my friend, I'm a damn good friend. And I think my friends would say that my loyalty and, and comedic value are, are on top form. <laughs> comedic value, yeah. <laughs> well, and I would add to that, and I know you, you, you're, you're never going to completely agree with me on this. Uh, I think it's also good leadership as well in, in doing those things. So, Thank jo you. Joanne Lamb, voice actor, reluctant leader. Thank you so much for talking to us on Talking Leaders. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.